available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we are the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We are previewing the season. We're going to do it over the next three episodes, starting with the Pac-12 North. We'll do four teams from up there. We'll do a crossover episode, and then we'll finish up the rest of the Pac-12 South. This week, we got Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and Oregon State. If you have any questions for us about any of the preview shows or about the season, anything you want to talk about, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or if you'd rather call, let's set up a call. Leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text. You can do that. The number is 424 532 0678. Tweet us at Pac 12 Podcast or go to our website, pac12podcast.com. Find all of our content up there. We post every single episode. You can go back through the blog and we'll put some information about our picks and things like that throughout the season. And of course, wherever you are listening to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to it, please subscribe, rate us, give us a five star rating. A positive review, a funny review. We get lots of those. We do appreciate that. Tell your friends about the podcast of champions. Let them know, David. We got to spread the word all across Pac-12 footprint. We've got we've got a we've got a few new people who have spread the word. Really? To the you know same location where 250 of their friends have spread the word. But we have three new iTunes reviews. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is from Lil Tecca. Up next, subject line. Gas. Straight gasoline fight on, boyos. So I think that's good. Sounds positive. I Right? I mean, as a start, yeah, I think it's positive. But I'm, I'm not sure okay. where this is going. No, no, it, it, that that's where it ends. <laughs> it it, it <laughs> Wait, began with it? straight gasoline and ended with fight on, boyos. All right, now, number two. Oh, I thought there was, no, like more, get, there was more build up to something, something bigger. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. There was nothing there. Um, all right, this is from No Gloves, More Problems. Uh, subject line, functional, dot, 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 but just barely. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a five-star review. <laughs> uh, this, sh- th- this show is a beautiful mess. Week in and week out, it can be somehow, it can somehow, one, prove bipartisanship as possible. Two, continue to label itself a sports podcast. Apple should create a rants category and throw this dumpster fire in there. Three, seamlessly talk about Disney princesses and Mike Leach in the same breath. Four, make me start using the word herocious. Hint, it's not a word. However, I would still like to know, Dave, did I spell that right? Um, yeah, he, he did. It was 2R version, but I think we decided the 2R version is fine. Yeah. Uh, five, keep me waiting anxiously for the next episode. Great work, gentlemen. Keep on ranting, and I'll keep listening. Go Bruins. And then we have one final one from You Done Buffed Up. Shots behind the shed. The listening experience is akin to being dragged to your wife's work barbecue and luckily finding some fun-loving Pac-12 talking cronies taking shots behind the shed. 
You'd rather be elsewhere, but your newfound friends help you make the best of the one and a half hours that you have to be there. Five out of seven out of five stars every time. So interestingly, that's a very specific reference. Ah. We think you done buffed up has done that, right? (laughs) He's gone to his wife's work function and just found some randos and taken shots behind a shed. Like, imagine if you did that to your wife. Like, she's there, like, she's got a work function, you know? She's got to do some stuff. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to find some random people I've never met before and do shots with them behind a shed. I think it's very specific. I think he's done that for sure. It's not like an analogy you pull out of your butt. This was something, this is personal experience. And I respect it. I'm I'm not trying to say that I don't respect it. However, um, you know. There's, I, I could see some potential issues there. And it might be randos, but it's also, if they're going to be talking Pac-12 football, then you've you've met your kin. You've met people that you can get down with. So I, I feel like maybe there was an instant bond, and then you do shots with them, as opposed to, there we go. you're just yeah, some yeah, random no, guy, a, let's let's drink. If there was a Pac-12 connection, then yes, that's, that's, that's obviously fair and good. Yeah, uh, I like that. So I, I feel like, David, we are benefiting from, no one else does this, right? So we are the only Pac-12 podcast out I think that is, I think the, the like pioneer aspect of this show is uh, really all that's buoying us. Right. Well, I guess there are some, but I, I haven't seen, like... I kind of look through feeds and I just haven't seen much lately. Maybe there are other people doing more, but I just get people tell, tell me all the time. Like they love the Pac-12 podcast and uh, you know, people from all, all across the Pac-12. Just, I mean, this is what they got. There's, just, <laughs> there's not people, a lot of other people options. Come up to me, people come up to me on the streets of Atlanta and say, Hey, whoa, you're David Woods. <laughs> you record the, po- the podcast of champions crazy and it's odd because we only have 150 listeners so for so many of them to be in atlanta is really incredible <laughs> it is crazy though i mean i love that we've built up the listenership and uh there's thousands of people out there just listening to us so that's great we do appreciate it. we're gonna get yeah, we're gonna get some meat today though we're gonna get talk some real football no disney princesses i think no well we'll see we haven't looked at i gotta the look at the questions yet, but, but i don't think potentially no disney princesses yeah. today um wow well so what we're going to do, I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to preview four schools, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State. Next week, we'll do all the California schools. And then the following week, we'll do the Arizona schools and the Mountain schools. Um, and we have kind of notes on each one of these teams. We'll probably say some things that are completely false, and you can email us and tell us how, how stupid we are. But um, I, I think it'll give you a pretty good idea of, of what to expect from the Pac-12. We, you know, we'll go over the schedule a little bit, which it's always good to see which teams you miss and, and you know, what the schedule strengths are and things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Dave. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. So where do we want to begin? At, at which, which, which part of the North do we want to begin I with? I think we're going to begin with... Washington Huskies. Does that sound good to you? I didn't hear anything because our audio setup is messed up. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, really? So you can't hear that? Okay. That I can't hear it. Uh, so Ryan, you have to narrate what our drop is at the end of it. Damn. Okay? So once the drop happens, you just tell me. Little okay. Hey, we're gonna. Yeah, a little behind the scenes. So because we're each recording our own channel, that's not feeding through to you. But I played the Washington Huskies. Uh, I will be honest. I think there's something a little bit more screwed up with our uh, audio setup if we want to go deeply behind the curtain. Oh. Um, 
because I used to be able to hear him even when we started doing this. Ooh. So all right, well we'll figure that out. But for regardless, whatever this is a this is like a really <laughs> just slap together <laughs> like really crap job. You guys know that though. You've been listening for a while. So you said Washington. Washington. Let's talk Washington. Why not? Is that the Evergreen State? Is it Oregon? Who knows? <laughs> impossible to say with any certainty what anything is in life (laughs) all right so washington the class of the pac-12 the last few years um really the only question is if this for the first time in uh basically since chris peterson has been there will they struggle to put together a defense now there's 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 reasons to think they might in a vacuum because they don't return a whole hell of a lot of production from last year. Um, they're losing. Let's look at it. They are going to lose their top defensive lineman, Greg Gaines, uh, two of their top linebackers, Ben Burkirvan and Tevis Bartlett, and pretty much their entire starting secondary outside of Miles Bryant. So there's a lot to replace there. Uh, but Washington has never had any issues with defense under Chris Peterson. They've always been good to great. Um, maybe this defense is going to lean a little bit more towards good, but I can't see it being much worse than that. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about five defensive linemen gone. Um, some left the program, retired, graduated, whatever. So I think that's a big concern. We've seen Chris Peterson be able to replace these guys. Like what was it? A few years back where four of the top 44 players, uh, you know, drafted were Washington defensive players. Um, eight defensive linemen are going to either be redshirt or true freshmen uh, for Washington, so they'll be young uh, up front. You know, are they ready to go? Um, I, I just, I don't think I'm as concerned about the defensive side because we've seen the the ability to be able to just kind of plug and play and put new guys in and, and be ready to go. And I think Washington's been recruiting at a higher level. There's going to be some even better athletes putting in there. Uh, I mean, the big thing for me is on the for the quarterback spot. You know, we make fun of. Jake Browning all the time. Uh, is it going to be Jacob Eason or, or, you know, we're not sure which direction that's going to go. I mean, do we know how the competition's going between sixth year Browning and Jacob Eason? <laughs> I think Browning is, is he, is he still on a team? I, did he make a, a roster? <laughs> I mean, for real, like for real, real, like at NFL. I'll, for real, real. I have no idea yeah. that that's that other professional league. I have no idea about, um, one big note, one important note, we got to get this out there right at the beginning. There are four entirely different Jakes in the Washington quarterback depth chart. I'm going to run through them right now for you because I think it's important. That seems like a lot. Well, sorry, yeah. sorry, there's three. I, I was counting the sixth year Jake Browning, which is really funny because I confused myself with the joke I just made. <laughs> so there's actually three. Okay. Jacob Eason, Jake Hayner, Jacob Sermon, and they're they're you know obviously sixth year uh, quarterback emeritus Jake Browning. Yeah, that's a lot of Jakes. I mean, it's a good quarterback name. I think most, I think all quarterbacks should probably be named Jake. Jakes are good. Good. Um, good. Jake Plummer was an awesome quarterback name. There's a, like a lot of good ones. Like would Dorian Thompson Robinson be better if he was Jake Thompson Robinson? Oh boy, I mean, I think his arm would be way stronger than it is. It's already strong. <laughs> JT Daniels, what's his first name? Let's call him Jake. Jake Daniels. Oh, that just sounds... Jake Daniels. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That guy wins a Heisman. <laughs> that guy wins a Heisman this year. Uh, so, anyway, all, all quarterbacks should be named Jake, but it sounds like the Jake that's going to win it is Jacob Eason, the Georgia quarterback, uh, Georgia transfer quarterback, um, who uh, was a former five-star, started at Georgia as a freshman, 
uh, did fine. Nothing great. It wasn't a super high efficiency offense, and it was playing in the SEC where uh, it can be hard to be a quarterback sometimes. Yeah. Um, but he was fine. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing horrible. And uh, older now um, has the the blue chip bona fides. I don't know. I'm not super worried about quarterback for them. I mean, as much fun as we make of Jake Browning, he did have like you know certain efficiency attributes that were you know nice to have, I guess. But I think he left a lot on the table that Eason with, you know, a stronger arm and, and, you know, maybe a little bit more just pure talent might not leave on the table. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, as of a couple of days ago, uh, Jake Browding is in a battle for the number three quarterback spot in Minnesota. So Kirk Cousins is starter. Sean Mannion, who's, you know, Oregon State guy, Pac-12 guy. He looks like he's going to be the backup. And then Jake Browning's uh, battling with somewhat, something named a Kyle Slaughter. I don't even know who that is, but those two are, are splitting reps with a third-team offense. So he's in Minnesota right now, uh, still on a still on a roster as of now. So that going through... He's battling with a guy who was created via the Madden name. <laughs> Maybe. Which is about what we would expect. Yeah. Um, all right, so offensively, let's go through that. Um so they do have to replace Browning, and they do have to replace Miles Gaskin. Yeah. Um, like, aside from that, though, uh, they have to replace Drew Sample, starting tight end. Um, much more of a blocker, I think, than a pass catcher. Um, but still, he caught 25 balls last year. Yeah. Um, and then on the offensive line, they only returned four full-time starters from last year, but... They return a guy who was more or less injured all of last year in Trey Adams, who counts as a starter. Okay. So in actuality, they're returning five-ish starters. It just works out that it's you know only four of the starters from last year. Um, that makes me think that the continuity on offense, and in fact the potential for this offense to be even better than last year when it was fine, uh, actually it's a pretty good chance. Um, you're going to have the second year. I think it's the second year of Bush Hamden. It's either the second or third year. Um, and you're going to have continuity on the offensive line. You're going to have continuity at receiver, um, and you're going to have a quarterback who, yeah, he didn't play last year, but he had a whole year to kind of learn the system um, as a redshirt uh, in Eason, um, and you got Salvin Ahmed, who was a good backup running back last year, um, and you know a lot of people were saying he has more talent than Miles Gaskin. So, I don't know. All that equals a better offense for me. So I, the one question, which isn't really a question for me, is will the defense fall apart simply yeah. because they lost so much production? And I just can't buy it with the way they've been able to sustain high-quality defensive play every single year under Peterson. Yeah. I mean, they've done it before. You kind of expect uh, you know, being able to do it again. Jimmy Lake, it's his second season there as defensive coordinator. Uh, how are they going to do? I mean, we'll... We will definitely see, uh, but I, I, I'm obviously I picked Washington to win the North. Uh, they were, you know, Oregon was the pick from the media, uh, the Pac-12 media by one point or whatever. But so it's it's a close race between Oregon and Washington. But I still picked them to win the North. If you look at the schedule, uh, real quick this year, uh, Washington misses UCLA and Arizona State. So that's not, you know, it's not uh, it's not great. You you miss two teams that you know. Well, I guess Arizona State finished second in the in the division last year. Um, but they, they do have a really tough stretch. Uh, September 21st, they're at BYU. Then they host USC September 28th. Then they go at Stanford on October 5th. So should know a lot more the end of September, early part of October about uh, Washington. And their, their schedule's ranked uh, 20, 29th uh, by the FPI. 
So pretty good. I mean, they don't have the, uh, you look at the, the out of conference games, Eastern Washington, Hawaii, but then at BYU, but you don't have that neutral site game this year against Auburn. Um, so you don't get that potential to have a big, you know, the, the BYU win wouldn't be that big of a deal, but it's, it's going to be a big deal if you go on the road and lose that one. Um, so, I mean, schedule wise, seems like it's pretty good. You just don't have that marquee game early that they could have used to, to, you know, kind of jumpstart the season that, you know, didn't happen last year, obviously when you lose to Auburn. Yeah, I, I would, I would basically cluster the season as a really easy start. Um, three games to start it that they should win going away. And a really easy finish, Oregon State, Colorado, and unfortunately Washington State, which just cannot figure out um, how to do anything against Washington's defense. And then that middle stretch of six, honestly, I would extend it. um, Because even at Arizona, that's not going to be a super easy game. And Washington has struggled in those games. Um, And then you've got Oregon and Utah. Um, I mean, Utah's shaping up to be the game of the league this year, uh, November 2nd. Um, So... They win their first three, win their last three. I mean, if they're going to compete for the league, it's really going to be, for me, at Stanford, Oregon at home, and Utah at home. Um, I think those are the kind of most difficult games on this schedule, um, the most challenging ones for them. And, uh, you know, I like their chances. Um, I don't think they're going to be dogs in a single game this year. Um, You know, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But... That Utah game is shaping up to be a really fun one. Yeah. Uh, only five road games for the whole season, too. Uh, so that's not too bad. Um, you know, one of them being BYU. They have back-to-back road games, Stanford and Arizona. Uh, they got Oregon State on the road and Colorado on the road. So it's not, you know, most of the tough matchups are going to be at home. Uh, they do get Cal, who, you know, a little revenge there maybe. They, week two at home. So maybe that's, you said they could win that one going away, but... You got to worry about that a little bit when you're playing a tough defense and, uh, you know, having a new quarterback out there. So that that's one you got to kind of have to watch out for a little bit, Dave. I mean, sure, a little bit. Fine, <laughs> fine. Um, uh, but like the thing I'm looking at right now, Bill Connolly's projected margin for that game is right now 17 points. So wow. So they're uh, what their S and P rank, S and P plus rank is 15th, I believe, and their FPI rank is 17th. Um, yeah, which which feels um, uh, for me, it feels a little bit conservative just because I think people are, you know, anticipating the offense, maybe not boosting as much as we're thinking or maybe the defense falling off a little bit more. I think they could be a top 10 team this year. Yeah, um, I think that's possible. It just it's it's simply a matter of whether that defense, I think, can coalesce quickly with a bunch of new parts. All right. Uh, anything else on Washington before we move on? No, let's move on. Do you want to go their compatriots across the street? Do you want to go by state or do you want to go by like where they were picked? Like, oh, I don't care. Whatever you want to do. Um, Let's just keep it in the state, I guess. So we'll go next up. Washington State Cougars. The Washington State Cougars. Uh, Let's talk about the Cougs who had a really good year last year. They did. They did. And this is one where um, I think the simple fact that they. Um, you know, lost Gardner Minshew is maybe, you know, uh, dampening expectations for this year. Um, also the defense did kind of drop off last year from where it was two years ago. So I think maybe a combo effect expecting, um, you know, the, the defense to continue to drop a little bit, but a couple big things I want to point out, um, pretty much the entire receiving core returns, 
um, which I don't know if you've, you're familiar with the air raid offense, but um, it's important to have continuity at the receiver spots. More than the tight um, ends or less than the tight ends? A little bit more okay. than the tight ends. All right. A little bit How about more. the fullbacks? The fullbacks um, are still so, the feature of that offense. Right? Obviously the fullbacks, <laughs> but um, actually Max Borgie, I mean, and he's basically a fullback. He caught almost 70 balls last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, or, uh, sorry, 53 balls. I was looking at targets. Um, but five of the six top ca- pass catchers return, um, and this actually matters, eight of the top 10 because they do go 10 deep. Um, so that's, that's a lot of returning production in the receiving game. Um, and then you look at the offensive line, they return four starters, um, right tackle center, left guard, right guard. Um, so they only need to replace one guy on the offensive line. So it's really a question of whether or not Washington state's quarterback situation can come close to matching what it was that, um, you know, what it was that Gardner Minshew was able to produce last year. And, at this point, we don't really know, right? I mean, do we even have any clarity yet on whether Gage Gabrud is going to win the job? No, yeah, I don't. That from the first few practices, I haven't seen anything. Uh, I haven't looked the last two days, but be- when I looked before, I didn't see anything that was like, "Here's where the direction that uh, Washington State's going." Yeah, so it's basically okay with all those surrounding pieces. Can a Mike Leach quarterback, whoever that ends up being, Gage Gabrud, Trey Tinsley, Anthony Gordon, whoever? Can a Mike Leach quarterback perform at an acceptable level? Ryan, when was the last time a Mike Leach quarterback did a poor job at quarterback? Yeah. Uh, it's just I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It was Luke Falk in his final year. Do you want to know Luke Falk's stats that year? Can I sure. Can I yeah, yeah, go ahead. It? All right. In 2017, again, he did a poor job this year. Uh, he threw for 3,600 yards at 6.8 yards per average yards per attempt and uh 67% of his passes 30 touchdowns 13 interceptions. And that was like probably one of the worst things I've ever seen a a Mike Leach quarterback do. Yeah, that's uh and most most programs would love those kind of numbers. And Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good offense. Yeah. Um it's quarterback friendly, receiver friendly. Um I think with all of the continuity everywhere else, this offense should have absolutely no trouble. Um, basically no matter who is at quarterback, um, defensively it's, you know, they're, they're, they have to replace Peyton Pelure. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. What do you think? It sounds good. Pelure? Sure. Yeah. It sounds good. Sure. Whatever. Uh, so that's one starting linebacker. Most of their starting secondary is gone and a couple starting defensive linemen. So there is a lot to replace defensively. Um, and they did drop off last year, even without a lot to replace. So... I think open question mark on the defensive end, uh, whether they can even maintain at their level from last year when, again, they did drop off. But I think there's a lot to like on this offense. Um, I think it might be good enough to compete in the North, probably not win it. Um, but defensively, they've got some question marks. Yeah, and I think it seems like uh, Gabrud is going to be the uh, the favorite going in here. He would like Mike Leach wanted to make it kind of a two-man race early on during camp. I Maybe that's how, but I didn't see that if it did. Um, but, you know, Tinsley, is it going to be Gabrud and Tinsley? But I think we should know a little bit more over the next, you know, coming few days or so. Uh, but really, the I think the secondary, um, you know, what are they going to do? They brought in five new bodies. Uh, I think four Juco guys and an early enrollee 
uh, all secondary players. So there's some experience there, just not like, you know, division one college experience. Um, so I, you might see a younger look in the secondary and there, you know, there's can be a lot of pressure on that Washington state secondary when you score points at the rate that they do. So I think that's going to be kind of one thing to watch, but you know, this is an 11 game winning team. Um, no one expected the Gardner Minshew that we saw last year. I mean, it was absolutely insane. Do you get the same sort of thing this year? I mean, you just, it's hard to bet against Mike Leach coaching up a quarterback for a couple of years and, and saying, you know, yeah, we haven't seen him much, but here's what he's going to do. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, with the running game, like you talked about Borgie's is, a, you know, he's great. I just don't know. I, I feel like this could be a team that, you know, competes for the North. Everyone's talking about Oregon. It's certain about Washington. It would obviously take Washington to get over that apple cup hump, but I mean, I, I don't know. This could be a, another double-digit win team for Washington State. Yeah, I, I think so. And and speaking of Gabrud, I mean, it's not as if he's a low-efficiency player anyway. I mean, he was already in an, you know, in an offense that's not quite Mike Leach level. He was already completing sixty-two percent of his passes. Um, and you know, in a in a scheme that's designed for a quarterback to like almost never uh, complete fewer than like sixty-eight percent of his passes. I don't know. I could see him being very good. Yeah. And um, as we saw last year with Minshew, who was just a little bit mobile, you add a little bit of mobility to that quarterback because generally speaking, Leach has always had statues there. Um, but last year when Minshew was kind of running around and buying himself time last year, um, it changed the complexion of that scheme a little bit. Um, and I think Gabrud is a little bit more of an athlete um, than Minshew was. So I'm I'm interested to see what that looks like. Um, and if he's given freedom to create a little bit with his legs. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's just, uh, for me, it's just going to be a question of that defense, whether it can play at an acceptable level, where it can, whether it can be like a middling to average Pac-12 unit again, or if it's going to drop off even more than it did last year and you know drop down into like the lower third of Pac-12 defenses. Because if it does, then probably the ceiling on this team is uh, is lower than we would think based on that offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Tracy Clays came in last year, did a good job, defensive coordinator for Washington State. You got 14 starters back. I, I think there's a lot of, I just think there's a lot of positive things that you can, you know, take away from this. Um, Schedule-wise, let's see. So uh, their FBI, FPI schedule rank is 50th. Uh, their S&P Plus rank is 36th and the FPI rank is 30th. So they have a neutral site game against Houston on September 13th. That's played in Houston. It's a neutral site, but it's basically a road game. Um, then they play UCLA and then they go at Utah. So that stretch isn't going to be very easy. They really have six road games, they, uh, five plus that one uh, neutral site game. And then if you look at the the teams that they miss, they miss USC and they miss Arizona. So that's I think that's pretty good as far as like talent matchup stuff. There, so I mean, overall, I don't know. What do you think of the, the the Washington State schedule? I think they've got three really tough conference games um, that are just uh, hard time seeing them winning them at Utah, at Oregon, at Washington. Um, the probably the three, uh, I'd probably say the three toughest opponents all on the road. Um, so that's that's going to be a real challenge. And then you've got a couple of coin flip games uh, at ASU. Stanford, I mean, throw throw at Cal in there. Um, whatever the metrics say, I, that's a tough conference slate for them. Just the the home road splits. Um, so I, I it's going to be a real challenge for them. Now, non conference, 
you know, they've got a couple of Sherwins in there, New Mexico State and Northern Colorado. And frankly, Houston wasn't very good last year. Um, so they should be able to win those games. Uh, the question is, can they clean up in the conference games they need to and steal a couple? Because um, they're probably, g- well, they're going to need to probably win two of the coin flip games and maybe steal one of the ones where they're going to be big dogs to get to like the nine and three level where you could see an outside chance of winning the North. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's, it's probably a little tough for that this year. I think if they can maintain it like a, even a seven and five wouldn't be the end of the world this year, but if they can get to eight and four this year, that's a huge win. Yeah. Um, and that speaks to everything Leach does. And I don't want to count out Leach and, and what he's done there because nobody was expecting them to be great last year. And they were, um, you know, maybe, yeah, in in some senses, they were the best team in the Pac-12 last year. Um, so, it, it, yes, Washington fans, in the only sense where they didn't play the Apple Cup. Um, <laughs> but so I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll play way above expectations. But right now, I would probably say, yeah, eight and four would be a really nice nice result for them. Yeah, it's. I mean, with fourteen starters back, though, it not the toughest schedule. This was a top 30 offense last year. I think they were 27th, but it was like a top 45 defense too. It was pretty good. You know, uh, it wasn't amazing, but it was, you know, top third or whatever the PAC 12 probably, um, you get some similar results on that defensive side. You get decent quarterback play. You know, you could see them win. a lot of these games are very winnable. Um, it's just going to be some of the tougher ones from, you know, the North is, is not easy. Uh, you can't get swept by, you know, Washington and Oregon and Stanford, if you could, you know, even win like two or three of those, that's pretty good. Um, so we'll, I'm curious to see, we, everyone wrote them off last year and they had a great season um, with a lot of, a lot of firepower coming back outside of Minshew on the offensive side. I just kind of feel like Dave, that this, this is going to be a pretty good team, maybe better than I thought uh, just from looking back at it like a month or so ago when we did our picks. It's certainly possible. And I wouldn't count out uh, Mike Leach, coach team especially with offenses their strength um if that offense really rolls which i think given everything they return all they have to figure out is a mike leach quarterback that's that's actually a pretty good position to be in um if if that offense really rolls it might not matter what their defense looks yeah. like uh, but i think it'll be pretty good tracy clays was he's the former head coach at, at um minnesota um who's it why am i blanking on the defensive coordinator that ohio state uh alex Grinch. alex Grinch. yeah i mean i thought that just they had a really good system where they didn't need big guys. It was smaller, kind of quicker dudes, and they could really disrupt opposing offenses a lot of time. I think Tracy Clay's kind of kept that going, and, uh, you know, second year in there, you might even see improvement. So we'll see. Okay, let's uh, let's move down uh, down the, the five freeway. We're going to go next up with Oregon Ducks. The uh, Oregon Ducks. Uh, picked as the, the Oregon favorites Ducks. to win the Pac-12 North, according to the media. Interesting. And, you know, looking at it a little bit more in depth, you can see why people are getting there. And it's not just, all right, Washington fans, I'm just going to continue speaking to you. It's not just because of that, like, quarterback effect where they're returning a starting quarterback. Most importantly, I would say, uh, they returned their entire starting offensive line. Everybody. They returned not only the guys who were the mainline starters, they returned their backups. They returned every single offensive lineman who started a game last year. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That doesn't suck. Uh, They returned their starting quarterback. They returned most of their running production uh, in C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye. And they returned, well, 
all their crap at wide receiver besides Dylan Mitchell, who's the only good one. Okay, so it's not perfect. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I saw some things out of Jalen Red by the end of the year that I thought were pretty good. Um, Johnny Johnson should be pretty good. So there's, I mean, I, I think Brendan Schooler might have just gotten hurt. I think we we're. I think I was reading that. Um, so they're 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 suffering some hits there. But the simple fact that they return all of that offensive line, uh, yeah. So uh, Brendan Schooler suffered a foot injury. He's out six to eight weeks. Um, so he'll be back probably for conference play. Um, but he was, you know, maybe their fifth best receiver, fourth best, something yeah. like that. You got Jalen Red, Jawan Johnson, who's coming in from Penn State. Johnny Johnson, uh, Jacob Breland, uh, the tight end who actually caught more balls than Brendan Schooler last year and then Schooler. So um, it's still a question who's going to replace Dylan Mitchell. I think they're probably hoping that somebody kind of steps into that role. I don't think you're going to easily replace, what is it, 75 catches and almost 1,200 yards. Yeah. 10 um, touchdowns. 10 touchdowns. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, but you're, the hope is with a senior quarterback that he elevates the play of everyone else and – an offensive line that that that's that experience buys time enough for even less talented receivers to get open a little bit more. So offensively, so this might be the year of the offense in the Pac-12 North because we're talking about Washington State, Washington, and Oregon uh, returning like a total of fourteen out of fifteen starting offensive linemen from last year. That's that's pretty yeah. good. Um, so that is the offensive situation. Defensively, also pretty good. Uh, returned most of the starting defensive line production. Just Jalen Jelks is gone. Uh, linebacker a little bit more. Uh, Justin Hollins and Kalana Apelu are both gone, uh, but return basically everybody else. And then the secondary, um, you know, Amadi's gone, um, but most everything else returns. So replacing a little bit defensively, but not a ton. Um, the big difference is just going to be a new face coaching them. Yeah. Uh, with Jim Levitt gone. Yeah, Andy Avalos, um, whole new defense with uh, Jim Levitt gone. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, he wasn't he the highest paid assistant coach in the in the Pac-12. Um, so it's uh, you know you're talking about a veteran, highly paid, uh, high, well respected Jim Levitt, and now you're talking about like an up and coming you know, potential star in the coaching world, he's going to, you know, uh, you know, he would, he's going to have to mix and match a bunch of the personnel. Uh, they, I mean, I, they, he's going to be doing a lot and we haven't really, we don't know as much about him. Uh, you know, a lot, everyone I, you know, that I've talked to, they think he's going to be a really good coach, but it's tough to replace a Jim Levitt and, uh, and really expect what, so for me, losing Jim Levitt would make it hard for me to pick Oregon to win the PAC 12 North, but I think a lot of it with Herbert coming back, uh, you know, entire offensive line. I think four or five of them are seniors. So that's you think the offense, even without the with the issues at receiver, they should be really good. But I'm just worried, Dave, about the other side of the ball when you have to replace a defensive coordinator like that. Just sometimes, even if your personnel gets a little better, it, you you get a drop off in production. Well, this is where your um, capitalist and Republican sensibilities come in because <laughs> Ryan. Just because he's highly paid doesn't mean he was doing anything good. Okay. Oregon's defense was poo the last two years. <laughs> they were 50th in 2017 and 50th last year. Uh, they're, they're, we were talking all year about how they were underperforming on defense. Yeah. Um, maybe a change of, you know, changing the guard there actually does some stuff because um, they have talent. I mean, they've got some players. I mean, if you're talking about best defensive players in the Pac-12. I mean, Troy Dye is definitely He's on that up list. He's up there, yeah. 
Um, and you know, Lamar Winston, he was very, very good at a high school. Um, there's, there's some linebacker talent. I think Jalen jokes, that's a big guy to replace, but they've got some bodies there too. Um, and I think that secondary has the potential to be really, really good. Yeah. Um, Thomas Graham, Diamador Lenoir. I mean, these guys are Lenore. Uh, these guys are good. So Kayvon Thibodeau too. I, I, think, I think, that, think he's someone, I he came out in the fall and said he wants to have double digit sacks this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, someone like that could be an absolute superstar. We we saw him in high school, and he's, you know, the highest rated recruit Oregon ever signed, right? I mean, it's I mean, he's a stud. So you, I wouldn't, I, I would expect someone like him to come in and have an impact right away. Well, and that's the thing you've got to start building in for Oregon and Washington, uh, both to an extent, is they're now recruiting at such a level that you don't just look at returning production, you don't just look at you know who's coming back and all that. They're going to get impact players, and it's hard to know exactly who that's going to be. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is obviously one that makes sense, um, but there, there are dudes who are coming in as true freshmen who might like make a huge impact this year. I mean, Michael Wright, I think, is a cornerback coming in who was a complete blue chip guy. Um, uh, Masefuna, inside linebacker, he could come in and make yeah. an impact. Um, there's there's some real guys in the in this depth chart who yeah, I mean could be could be great to start out. I think with. it's Mace um, Funa, so, just but I think so. I think they say Mace Funa, yeah. USC recruited him yeah. too, but that's okay. No, I mean, no, no big deal. People know who you're talking about. Who knows who I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't even know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, just okay. They could get better on defense. Some, I mean, I think the talent is there. Some key playmakers, uh, what, Amadi at safety last year, Hollins. Like, I think guys that were really around the football a lot, you know, we'll see. He, Hollins is a super versatile guy. Um, you know, he was a stat patter. But they they do have people that can come in and replace those guys. Maybe it's going to be better with the new scheme. Um, I, are you worried about the offense at all with – it wasn't like it was no. an offense that was uh, ranked – what were they? They were like 41st in the FBS last year as far as – you know, offense goes, it, it wasn't, it didn't like set the world on fire, but you love the pieces there. You love the senior offensive line. Justin Herbert just looks like an NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but will do you think the production is going to go up significantly this year? Yeah, they had some offensive line injuries last year that I think made it a little bit more difficult. Um, also, they were trying to do some new stuff. They had that kind of pistol look that they were trying to do. Um, I think in a kind of the second year doing what is Cristobal's idea of what he wants to do, I think it should be a little bit more efficient, a little bit better. And I think if they've got reasonable offensive line health, I mean, CJ Verdell and Travis Dyer are both really good. Um, I think they're both really, really good running backs. Justin Herbert, um, even if we do think, you know, he's maybe a, a bit overrated, um, still a very good quarterback. Um, it's really just replacing Dylan Mitchell for me. Yeah. Um, if, if they can... I just find a group of guys who can even replace each like 20% of what he was doing. Um, that'll go a long way. Um, but I think, no, I don't really have many worries about the offense. I think it should be significantly better than it was last year. Um, I, I think the team as a whole should be pretty good this year. I just don't know if I would have them as the, the favorite in the league just simply, I mean, a few different reasons, but the schedule's difficult. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I still am not, entirely sold on Cristobal as a head coach, but 
there's a there's a good amount of talent on this team. I mean, I I, I don't think you can discount no. that. No, Verdell, he he was like a five yard per carry guy, and he almost had twelve yards per catch. So uh, that's a little dump off for for Herbert if he gets in trouble, and you can just Verdell just takes off and and goes with it. So uh, should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that you talk about the schedule. It's weird. The FPI has it like uh, not as tough of a schedule as Washington, but they have that Auburn game. Uh, on there they have a stretch uh late october early november where they go at washington washington state and then at usc uh that's not going to be easy but they really only have four true road games that one neutral site game the the auburn one i mean that's obviously hugely uh important for the pac-12 they miss uh ucla which not great but they miss utah so that's pretty good um, so it, it seems manageable. And if you, if you go on the road, you go to, and, and you beat Auburn, I mean, you got like Nevada, Montana, and then you go at Stanford and have a buy. I mean, that, that could set up all the hype would be if Oregon's sitting four and during that bye week, all the hype is warranted, you know? Uh, but it's just that first early game. If you go out and lose at Auburn, you don't, if you're a Pac-12 fan, you don't want Oregon to run the table because then it just makes the whole conference. It's going to bring the whole conference down. There's no way one of the teams would ever make the playoff if that happened. So hugely important week one to me uh, playing Auburn. Yeah, that one and Washington are going to be very, very tough games for Oregon. Um, and yeah, I think that week one setting the tone with that is going to, I think, determine whether or not this can truly be an elite season because when you add to that, I mean, at Stanford, at USC, I mean, those are both going to be, uh, to my eyes, those are both going to be close to coin flip games right now. Um, and then, you know, at ASU, Washington State at home, not, you know, super easy stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a question of whether Oregon can have a successful season. I don't think, I mean, I think eight and four is like my floor. Um, the question is, can they have a season that, truly competes for the Pac-12 title and puts them in a position to potentially make the playoff um, because that's the kind of level of hype they're getting, right? Um, and do you see that on the horizon for them? Because I, the way I'm looking at it, even if they beat one of Auburn or Washington, they still have to contend with a good amount of troublesome games at Stanford, at USC, at ASU. Um, I'm just having a hard time seeing a, a scenario where they end up with one or fewer losses. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's, it's not going to be easy, but you build some of that momentum early. You get that win, and and you are able to beat Stanford. Uh, that's a pretty good sign. You get the big road out of conference win. You get w- knock off one of the Pac-12 North powers. You get a time to kind of lick your wounds for a week, and they could make some kind of epic run, you know. But it's all going to have to come together. Uh, but the talent is there, so you know when you know you get the talent's there. And they could put it together coaching-wise. The potential is there. So they could be the talk of college football by you know the end of the first month. Yep. Uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, that's it for Oregon State. So we, I mean, that's it for Oregon. We have uh, one more preview to go. We're going to talk about... Oregon State Beavers. The Beavers of Oregon State. What do you got, Dave? The good old Beavers. So... Uh, Oregon State shocked everyone last year, not by being terrible, because they were terrible and nobody was uh, surprised by that, but by having a not terrible offense. Uh, their offense was actually kind of good at times. Uh, you know, I think it was altogether not bad. And I want to talk about some of those players because we like to lead off with positives here, and there's some positives there. 
Uh, Jamar Jefferson, sophomore running back. I mean, you could make an argument, a fair argument, I think, for him being uh, maybe the second or third best running back in the entire league. And it's a running back heavy conference this year. Uh, He's a stud. He averaged uh, almost six yards a carry last year, 1,400 total yards, uh, 12 touchdowns, and he didn't start the entire year. He didn't start to start the year. It was Artavis Pierce. Um, so project that over a full season. Yeah, there's your there's your 16 to 1800 yard guy. Um, at wide receiver, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, maybe one of the best receivers in the Pac-12. 15 yards a catch last year, 60 catches, five touchdowns. Uh, he's an absolute stud as well. Um, so yeah, those two guys are really good, Ryan. And I wanted to <laughs> highlight them up front. Jefferson is good. Some good news. Uh, Jake Luton, he got your Jake Browning. Maybe it's just the name. He got his eighth year of eligibility. No, so he, he got, he, he medically cleared. He's come, he came back. So, uh, you remember him. He's six foot seven. I do. Uh, I do like remember 230 him. pounds or so. Uh, so that's a boost, you know. Uh, at the quarterback spot, but that I don't know if we'll see. We'll see if he even wins the job. Right, it's still a competition, right? Uh, what is uh, Tristan Gebbia? Tristan, yeah, Tristan Gebbia from sorry, uh, yeah. transferring transferring from Nebraska um, is apparently really pushing Luton. Um, at least if the reports from Camper to be believed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you uh, if if Jebbia is so good that he's able to beat out Luton, who you know, I mean, all things considered, wasn't bad. Um, I mean, this offense, again, was about average nationally, yeah. which is really saying something. Um, but if Jebby is able to beat him out, I mean, that's a really good sign, yeah. I think, for, for Oregon State's offense this yeah. year. Yeah, The other side of the ball, you could say the offense was average. Um, the defense was not. <laughs> it was. It might have been. It, it, seri- <laughs> no joke, it might have been one of the worst defenses the Pac-12 has ever seen. Yeah. I think they were 128th out of 129 in total defense, which isn't like – the greatest stat in the world, but it gives you a pretty good idea. Not, not good. No, no, really, really, actually, truly horrible. Um, now, good or bad, they return most of that horrible defense this year. Um, most of the starting, well, the entire starting secondary is back, entire starting linebacker core is back, um, and most of the starting defensive line. So, is that good? Uh, or- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That could be bad. Could be good. Um, um, could you imagine giving up seventy six touchdowns in a year? Like that's what Oregon. I mean, me, me personally, <laughs> like you and me. Because like, if you lined, if you lined up eleven of me's on defense, yeah, I can imagine it. In fact, I'd be like a little bit impressed that it was only seventy six. Yeah, but I think they now. If I was a scholarship athlete and a collection of such uh, playing for a you know power five program, probably no, that might be a little bit probably much. Probably not. And you know, but I think they gave up a lot of points, but probably not as many yards. Like they only gave up. 537 yards per game. So that's decent. Oh, right? that's great. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. okay. Like just the touchdowns. That's what yeah. you got to worry about. Yeah, no, just keep the points <laughs> off the board. You know, let them let them drive 99 yards. <laughs> just don't let them get that final uh, yard. Sorry, we joke, but it's it was bad. Uh, we joke out of love. Uh, we don't want them to be that bad. We, I, I think you could say that we would be rooting for the Beavers to do better than what they do. I am pulling for the Beavers. Um, they just haven't. Our our. Friend Angie, we want them to do what, like, she's got to have something different to write about than how bad this team is every year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, I, I hope for the best for Angie yeah. and the Beavers. Um, and look, I, I, so the offensive line, um, they only returned a couple of starters from last year. So 
That's not great. Uh, but they got transfer uh, Nathan Eldridge to come in, so he's the center. Exactly. Yeah, so that's not bad. Exactly. That's not bad. Um, so there's there's reason to think that the offensive continuity, the second year of Jonathan Smith's scheme, the whole deal, that the offense improves quite a bit. And they were 73rd in the S&P Plus last year. Say they improve offensively to 50th. Um, I don't think there's uh, that. I don't think there's much room down for the defense to go. So say the defense even improves to like instead of 126 this year, 100. Yeah. I mean that's that's the difference in a few wins next Easy. year. I mean you could you could go from, um, you know what was it last year? Two and ten, one and eleven. What they end up doing? Uh, it was two and ten, one and eight in conference. Okay, so it's the difference between I think two and ten, and then four and eight. And then you're really building something. Yeah. I think if you go four and eight uh, with this with this setup this year, um, it's not the end of the world schedule, but it's still not great. There's what one sure win on here in Cal Poly, and then a whole lot of rough. Yeah, uh, Ty John Lindsay too. He's another transfer from from Nebraska. Like he could be, uh, he can be a playmaker at wide receiver, and uh, they might get some help. Um, they got a JC. Uh, defensive tackle Jordan Whitley, who I know they like a lot, so maybe he can kind of plug that up in the middle a little bit. So there's, I think there's some help with they. You bring some transfers in, so give you a little hope. Um, schedule wise, they miss USC and they miss Colorado. So the Colorado Oregon State game is the one you always want to see. So that that's kind of bummer that they're not there. Uh, six road games, um, and they play Oklahoma State to start the season at home. Uh, obviously get a win there. Holy cow. That would be a huge boost for Oregon state and the conference. Here's my wish for Oregon state this year, that their offense is good enough that every game has shootout potential. Oh, that's what I want to see. I want to see their offense be like top 50 with some real danger. Yeah. to it. Um, you know, when whatever, when Jamar Jefferson gets going or when Isaiah Hodgins is just like, no, I'm going to do this, um, that they're able to kind of just hang with teams offensively. Cause that'll at least be fun. Um, for the fans, for everybody, uh, if this team really has an explosive offense that can get some things going. And it could make games like Oklahoma State at Hawaii, it could make those games really interesting. I think Hawaii's winnable. Um, Oklahoma State, less so, but, you know, could get weird. Opening season games can often get yeah. weird, and Oregon State certainly has enough dangerous en- enough dangerous things on offense to even give an Oklahoma State some trouble. Um and then it's just, you know, the slog of conference play. Avoiding USC is good. Avoiding Colorado, not so good. Um, and, you know, if they could steal a couple of wins, I think UCLA is possible. Cal's possible. Arizona State's possible. Um, who knows? Yeah. I think, you know, four and eight is possible yeah. here. Would I pick it? No. I think it's probably going to be two and 10 or three and nine. But four and eight's possible if there's real improvement elsewhere. And then. And that's not even like damning with faint praise. Four and eight from there, you can really start to build something. Uh, you can pitch that. You can say we improved a ton. If the offense looks really good, you can recruit to it. Um, so there's there's there is a hopeful scenario that arises out of the season for right. Us and it's the, the the record might not reflect that. This is a top ten schedule, so you don't want the worst team in the conference to have the hard, <laughs> the hardest schedule. And that's essentially what's happening here. And you know. There's some tough stretches, uh, but if you, if you get towards the end of the season, your final two games, you can kind of cruise home. Maybe you got four wins by then. You know, you only have to go on the road, play Washington State, and then play at <laughs> Oregon. So that's that's how you finish off. Like that's 
You always want the 18th hole well, to be simple, like a 500-yard par four that you, you, can, you can't – there's no way you can reach into. That's how you want to finish the season. The Civil War gets weird sometimes, though. True. That could, that could always get strange. But, yeah, I mean, it's – that's the thing. Oregon State could be much better this year and have the same damn record. Yeah. Because this is a really, really tough schedule. Like, just looking at it right now, everybody out there, uh, Connolly's projected numbers for this have um, – there's one projected favorite game against Cal Poly. And then every single other game, they're projected as dogs. And in every single other game besides Washington, they're projected as at least 12-point dogs. Wow. Or besides Hawaii, they're projected as at least uh, 12-point dogs. So so more than a touchdown. Tough. Yeah. Like we, when our predictions for preseason, what we, we both picked them to go uh, two and 10 again, beating Hawaii, at, you know, going on the road and winning at Hawaii and then beating Cal Poly. Um, but, you know, play that Oregon, uh, Oregon State, play that Oklahoma game, Oklahoma State game tough, get a couple wins, start off two and one, and then you get a bye week and you get to look at the entire Pac 12 schedule split up in half because there's a bye week right in the middle of it and go through and try to win a couple games here or there. You know, can you go on the road to UCLA and, and win? Can you beat Cal at home or, uh, you know, Arizona State at home? Or I mean, I think there's some, if you play well, like you said, get in a shootout, you can get in some winnable games and that, and you win those, the Hawaii Cal Poly, and then you can, you know, win one of the Pac-12 in the first half of your season and the second half, that's Four and eight is not that bad for the schedule. And I do think, I agree with you. I think they would show progress of what Jonathan Smith is doing. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a lot of Oregon state. Um, It's, it's set up, you know, uh, just play, play Oklahoma state tough. And then uh, we'll see what happens from there. So um, curious to see how this all plays out, but the, the PAC 12 North is very, very, uh, interesting. We'll next week we will do, and we'll probably do a show earlier in the week, but we'll do uh, finish off the North with Cal and Stanford and then do the LA schools. And then the following week uh, we want to get to Arizona because they got a week zero game. Uh, we'll do the Arizona schools and we'll do Colorado and Utah, but let us know if you like this format. We, you know, how, how long did, how many meetings did we have to discuss our preview format, David? Oh my God. We were, uh, just, I mean, late nights in the office, just doing a lot of diagramming. Like the amount of equations you managed to draw on a whiteboard, just diagramming how we would do a a preview show. I mean, it was truly, I mean, it was breathtaking stuff. I've actually never been more impressed yeah. with you uh, than during our extensive preview meeting. So I'm just, I'm excited that it's coming out um, the way it is right now um, because, you know, during those late nights with all the spreadsheets, it was, it was tough to know. <laughs> Besides you not being able to hear the drops, though, I think that was pretty good. Like, I think it got a, a pretty good feel. Like, I, I like the way our, we, we both brought, brought different facts and stuff to the table. I think that was a pretty good preview for literally not having planned it at all. We just started talking. <laughs> literally, Ryan sent me an email 30 minutes ago. Hey, how about we do Washington and Oregon schools today that I did not check until we were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I did have texted you several times this week, and you haven't responded. Yeah, you yeah, know, this this was a bad texting week for me. <laughs> I, I have I have the occasional good week, but this was a very bad. I really try. I was like, I want to kind of do this right, and I was not hearing back from Dave. I'm like, okay, so we're not going to do this right. <laughs> Monday, six fifty nine p.m. Ryan texts me. Can you look at those previews? Maybe we can use on the show today, five o two p.m. From me, ready when you are. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so four days later, Dave responds with nothing about what I said before. Uh, you did email me earlier, which I responded right away, and then you did not look at till we were on the phone. So that's I good. know, yeah, it's it's you take the good, you take the bad. No, but that's the way Sometimes we do. Things. A lot more bad. <laughs> that's the way we do things, and I think it's worked well. I did. I let us know. I thought those were pretty good previews. Like if you don't know much about the Oregon Ducks and you're uh, Arizona State fan and you listen to that, I think you have, you know more much more about the Oregon Ducks now. Yeah, can we speak to the accuracy? No, we don't know if what we said was correct. However, we said it with confidence, and that's what right. Matters. I think it was pretty accurate, unless they like we, they, we might have missed some late stuff. Like if there was like, oh, that you know, that guy was sure. was uh, injured in a car crash and he's not no longer on the team or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But we, usually we see that stuff if it's a big deal. Uh, we kind of go from there. Um, all right, should we jump into questions? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's do it. I think the first one is from Ben in Kansas City. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Question for the podcast. Hey, guys, with the opening of the new Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas and the Ram Stadium in L.A., do you think there's an opportunity and, more importantly, a desire to host a college football opening weekend kickoff game in Pac-12 country? Atlanta and Dallas always have this, but I personally would love to see a big-time program hit the road and head to the West, where the Pac-12 could potentially fill the stadium by themselves. Imagine the opposite of Washington versus Auburn. Do you think this is a good idea? Thanks, and go Utes, Ben from KC. This is really cute uh, from Ben, because he's a Utah fan, so he anticipates a fan base actually filling a stadium in the Pac-12, <laughs> which is understandable because he's a Utah fan. However, he still might not be familiar with the other fan bases in the Pac-12, which would not fill a stadium if their lives depended yeah. on it. Okay. That said, um, Vegas seems super possible, super doable, and that there's a lot of excitement over the potential there. I haven't heard as much about L.A., but it certainly makes intuitive sense. The thing there is, I think what the um, SEC and Big 12 and Big 10 schools get from playing their big neutral site games is the you know big notoriety from playing a big neutral site game while also not really playing a neutral site game because they're not really leaving their footprint. I could see a lot more reluctance coming out to LA. Yeah, uh, I could see that too because of that. Um, and Ben, we ha- I haven't heard that, but I, th- definitely John Wilner's brought this up. They got the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, you know, change over now. They're going to do the um, championship game in Las Vegas. I think it makes sense. Um, I don't know how far in advance you have to kind of plan this stuff, um, but this, yeah, completely makes sense. It would be great to see, and I think you'd have a really good. Like, say you had Oregon playing Auburn in Vegas instead of – they're in Dallas? Are they, are they Atlanta or Dallas? I think they're – is that an Atlanta game? I think that's a Dallas, Dallas game, AT&T. game, unless I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, is it? I don't know. We should probably know this, but you just know they're going to go on the road. You're going to play a lot closer to Auburn. But I think you could get a lot of Oregon fans in Vegas. Not going to fill it. But you would also get a lot of Auburn fans coming out too. And I think that would be – it's better – for the venue. Yeah, it's Dallas. It's Dallas. It's, Dallas. Uh, it's better for the venue to 
have, if you bring in an SEC school or a, a Big Ten school or something, they're going to bring a lot of fans for that early game because you don't need an excuse to you know, go to Vegas or, or you know even California. Um, I think you would have a really good atmosphere because the Pac-12 school would represent better than if you had to go all the way to Dallas or Atlanta, they're, but they're not going to dominate. Um, but you would also get a ton of uh, fans coming from further, you know, across the country. So I think you could have some real, a really good atmosphere for a game like that. It would make a ton of sense. Um, so I, I hope to see it, Ben. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff from yeah. Ben. All right. This is from Ryan. Uh, haunted. Good job, Ryan, on haunting Champagne Larry with your question from a few years the back. The truth is, we all know Dave Champagne Larry likes to roll by this and didn't large, give you the props right? you deserve. <laughs> I imagine Larry waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat with Dan Weber's voice ringing in his ears, and it makes me smile. Congrats on a job well done, Boyd and Sam oh, Ramon. I played the drop. I forgot you couldn't hear it, so you were talking over it. <laughs> My bad on that. This is really a well-oiled machine it is, right yeah. now. Um, the part that they might not have heard is that Dave seemed uh, unimpressed by this, by uh, champagne, the, the Champagne Larry question I asked, and didn't give you the props you deserve. I agree with you, Boyd. What, what What's up, Dave? Like, Dave didn't want to give me any props for that. Yeah, I, I so I, I have only the vaguest recollection of this entire scenario. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I was unimpressed. <laughs> I don't think it was a seeming situation. I, I really was just deeply, deeply unimpressed. Yeah. I think that's what was going on. Uh, no worries. Yes. But that it was. I thought it was funny that he says he was haunted by that answer. It was essentially, I had asked my beat writer to ask him, ask Larry Scott, um, if he would rather have parody or, uh, you know, making the college football playoff every year. He said parody. And now, now he's saying, you know, he just went back on that and said, it haunts me. So I guess people have brought it up a lot that he had said that. And the fact that there's been a lot of parody and not a lot of playoffs just doesn't, it didn't make him look good. So uh, at least now he's saying, hey, you'd rather have both. Like, it's not like you don't want to have parody, but you'd like to have a team uh, competing. So at least he's saying the right thing now. Uh, yeah. This is from Earl in West LA, Pac-12 Network. Guys, I don't know what is worse, getting the Pac-12 Network or not getting it. Uh, when I didn't get it, I didn't know what I was missing. Now I have access to two Pac-12 channels, and at 5 p.m. today, my choices are reruns of a baseball game or the stupid media day. Baseball lasts until 8 p.m., meaning my choice is a rerun of a college baseball game or a live Dodgers game. Hmm, let me see. Oh, oh I'll take the Dodgers. The conference has 12 teams that play about tw uh, play about at 12 games. That is 144 games a year and 720 games since 2013. The math may be a little off. But the point is, there are many more football rerun options for the network to use if they ever had sense enough to do so. What kind of idiots are in charge of programming? Reruns of college baseball games can't compete with live games of the Dodgers and the Angels, but football can. Duh. Earl in West LA. So first, Earl is going to murder you if you actually misspeak on that. The Los Angeles Dodgers in Los Angeles. Oh, did I say that? No, I'm guessing Earl's a guy who isn't oh, yeah. going to want to give the oh, Angels props either. Jesus, about that. Um, so we just got to be very careful. Sorry about that, Earl. Around, yes. around Dodgers fans. Um, now, that said, that said, this is the most, if I'm grading it on a scale, the most three weeks until football season email I've ever read. I can't find reruns of football games on my television. Why isn't there more football? It's great. I love it. Earl, you're great. Yeah, he's uh, 
He's good. I wonder what he must have Comcast then. Um, cause if you could watch a Dodgers game, isn't that like, I think you have to have Comcast in LA to, to watch a Dodgers or something or spec. Uh, I forget which one it is. There's, it's like one of the cable ones, but I thought if you have that, you'd get all seven PAC 12 channels. I don't know. I don't know. The particulars don't really matter. Uh, yeah, they should probably be playing more football reruns than baseball reruns. In fact, they should never play baseball reruns, but you know, come on. We're getting excited about what's on a conference television. I mean, it, if they were even showing coverage of Media Day, that's better than they did on the day of Media Day, That's right? what I thought of. Of Like, if they're showing the Media Day now, why didn't they show it when it was live? But, um, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't mind watching the Media Day thing since, you know, I was out of the country, didn't really get to see it. But I, everyone I talked to were like, yeah, they weren't even showing it on the, like, if you're watching the SEC Network, Media Day is all Media Day coverage. Like, it's wall to wall. That's what you get, you know? Um, if ah, it's just so weird, the way the PAC 12 treats things like little schedule blips will come out. I think, I think the sec changed the way, uh, before like the Auburn, Alabama game, they would always have an FCS school. You know, they would always play FCS schools and they changed the schedule next year. So they're, they're moving those around. So it's not like one full week of everyone plays a patsy before their tough game. So they move that around a little bit. You're going to talk about that on the sec network for like a week. Um, and I mean, I don't even know if you have a chance to talk about it on the PAC 12 network. So that they need to focus on where the bread is buttered and that's football. And it's just not, it's, it's more about parody of sport, not just parody of program, but just, they, they want to make sure, well, lacrosse needs to get equal time. It's a sport too. It's like, okay, that's, that's not the way this should work. Right. Absolutely. All right. You ready for Justin? Mora recruiting and development. Guys, it is truly interesting to hear about the futility of UCLA's current recruiting efforts. I'd love for David to reflect on the Mora era. (sighs) Uh, We know that Mora was a good recruiter, but what exactly happened when it came to developing these players? Did the players, one, eat only two meals a day, two, take pre-med curriculum, maybe organic chemistry took too much time, three, take on RA duties after their freshman year? Okay, seriously, what happened? Should Mora just return to college football to recruit for a powerhouse? Um, you could probably divide the Mora era into two uh, blocks of three years. There was the early period, 2012, 2013, and 2014. And really, it started with the recruiting period in 2011 um, and extended to maybe the recruiting period of 2013 or 2014. Um, but there were three good years and then three years where they dropped off. Um, and I think it's... A lot of it is that was the discipline and the program changed. Um, Mora's effort on the recruiting trail, his personal effort, and then how that bled into the assistance changed. Um, and just, it, I think his dissatisfaction with the UCLA job in a lot of ways grew over time. Um, and so it ended up being that his final three years were uh, all in all pretty lackluster. Um, there were some things that were going on with the players that were a little bit different. Um, they didn't have full training table for a while. I think maybe by the end they did. Um, getting the football-only facility took a while. That wasn't until, I think, Moore's last year that they had that. So there were some logistical issues that might have hindered development to some small extent. But I think for the most part, it was just um, he kind of fell apart. Um, he fell apart in terms of managing the program. Um, and it's as simple as that. I think, you know, some guys, um, they're built to turn a program around. And I think Mora was really good for that. He brought a lot of good energy those first couple of years. But he burns really hot. Um, he was a guy who had a really big, bad temper. Um, and 
he carried grudges and he got angry and, and resentful over time over perceived slights and different things that UCLA did and or he perceived them to be doing. And uh, it I think it eventually, um, unfortunately, uh, led to him doing a worse and worse job over time because he was resentful. And if any of you have ever developed some resentments at work for something or other, uh, yeah, it can totally affect your work. And I think for Mora, he's a highly emotional guy, and I think it affected his work more than it um, should have. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's for, for Mora, it was an effort thing. Even at the end, though, he was recruiting better than Chip Kelly is right now. Fair. Uh, UCLA just got like a four-star commit, right? Oh, yes. Yes, they got John Humphrey. Yeah. Uh, four, four-star. Better, better than so, what USC's yeah, doing. Hey! And USC gets the number one player in basketball in the country. So that's funny. That yeah, doesn't uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a well, not a dirty deal, but a an inside baseball right, deal. Right, where they they hire the the kid's dad and his brothers on the team already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. All right, uh, we got a text message, uh, Brian from Livermore, uh, in California. This will seem super random. Uh, nothing's super random to us, Brian, on this show. Does but but uh, Miles Garrett posted on Instagram. The Dragon Ball Z face visor. How random can face visors get in the NCAA space based on rules? And what would be the Disney print? Frick, it's mentioned again. I, I, didn't <laughs> think, I didn't think it would be mentioned again. Uh, what would be the Disney princess visor of the top player, most attention whorish uh, on each team? Feel free to substitute for Star Wars face visors for Dave's sake, or maybe the coaches, if that's easier, had to bring that back because it's, such a polarizing topic about princesses. You guys do an amazing job, Ryan, except for that one time you did your own show and keep it up. Second question, what is the most valuable and underrated assistant coach that is not a head coach or offensive defensive coordinator in the conference for each team from a recruiting and on the field performance perspective? Holy cap, Brian, you want us to name That's like, a, this is a lot. Like Brian, think about like the time spend we would have to do to make this answer work. That's 24 things you want from us. Or if you do it or is. if you do Star Wars that would be <laughs> 36 things. No, like that's too much. That's too much in one question. Yeah, which part do we want to answer? None of it. I don't I mean I I, I don't know. I, I really don't. So, all right, the final question. Look, you're asking us for uh, better knowledge than we have. Like we'd probably have to get um We'd have to get people to or chime just in asking, for that. We'd have to like Yeah, we have to get people yeah. to chime in um for each team. And then the other piece man, I don't even know what the visor looks like. Yeah, I don't like the Dragon Ball Z thing. Right. Are you have you ever watched that? Like I've never seen it, but I know a lot of the kids like it. No, not not a not a big Dragon Ball Z guy over no. here. I I watch I like uh, Bob's Burgers. I'll watch like um Adult Swim sometimes. I Rick and Morty, I think it's hilarious. I'll watch that sometimes. Uh, but some of those come on at like Saturday night at midnight or one in the morning. And I, I mean, I've, I think I've watched one of them like randomly before, uh, like come home drunk or something and it's on, but I, I don't know much about the Dragon Ball Z thing. So I don't know, even know what the f- face visor is. Yeah, I got nothing. And also I don't know who the most attention hoary guy is on each team. That seems like yeah. a lot. Too. There, there's a lot there, Brian. So, so um, we're, Brian, that was a lot. I'm not going to say... I, I do compliment yeah. you. I'm not going to say epic fail. No, I'm going to say epic fail. Yeah, for that question. It wasn't an epic <laughs> fail. It was just uh, <laughs> uh, it was a light fail. Brian, you're you're great. You're doing great. 
You're, you're doing yeah. one. It's like you don't, go don't you go into Dunkin' Donuts and you ask for uh, uh, an appendicitis. Like that's kind of what you got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we got another one from Earl. You ready for another one oh, from Earl? Earl's back. Okay. Earl is back. Los Angeles Bowl. Guys, the Pac-12 announced at Media Day the Los Angeles Bowl is slated to start at the conclusion of the 2020 season. Oh, is slated to start at the conclusion of the... Look, look, guys, you got to give us the verbs. I don't want to have to sit here and then parse what you're trying to say by the end of the sentence and then have to repeat the sentence. Give us your verbs. Give us your articles. Make it easy on us. Simpler sentences. Fewer big words. Not because they're difficult to say. Yes, that's part of it. <laughs> but because it takes a long time to read. All right. The Pac-12 announced at Media Day the Los Angeles Bowl is slated to start at the conclusion of the 2020 season against a Mountain West opponent. This is another on a growing list of stupid ideas under the leadership of Champagne Larry. What makes them think adding a low-level bowl game to an already crowded field of low-level bowl games is good for the conference? Granted, the venue will be spectacular, but using it for a low-level bowl game will be like putting a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. A better idea is a marquee Labor Day weekend game at the Rams Stadium featuring a team from the conference against a Power 5 opponent. It certainly seems a better way to promote fan participation than a low-level bowl game. Perhaps Larry has become so used to empty seats at the Pac-12 championship game, he wants to make sure that legacy continues once the championship game moves to Vegas. Thoughts? Why not both, Yeah, Earl? I like both. I mean, I don't think it's a bad deal to have, if you got two mega stadiums opening on the West Coast and you got bowls in each one of them, that's a pretty good thing. But if you start doing some college football games in there, I think it makes it, it kind of greases the the skis a little to 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 put a preseason game, uh, you know, one of those week one or week zero games. I think that would make a lot of sense. So I, I, don't, I don't see a negative on this one. No, I, I, I think you 100% try to do both, but having a, <laughs> having a good bowl game in a nice stadium, even if it's like the sixth or seventh game, who cares? Look, I'm old enough to remember the Silicon Valley Classic in that absolute dump that San Jose State plays in. Anything is a step up above yeah. that. This is fine. <laughs> this is great. Uh, then he throws in a PS. Uh, Dave, tailgating on Brookside Golf Course is nice, but I can't agree it is one of the best in the country, as you s- asserted a few weeks ago. So uh, Earl is dropping the hottest of hot takes, which is that tailgating at the Rose Bowl is not good. Which, Okay. It is always fun to night to find your car after night games, especially when you walk through mud spots you can't see. At best, it is a great golf course to tail guide on. Mm. I, look, man, it's not even my opinion. This is like almost objective truth. But if you go to any rankings of tailgates and all that kind of crap, the Rose Bowl is like top 10 always. So I don't know, man. I mean, you're stepping in mud. You're worried about stepping in mud. <laughs> Like, is it just because you're walking around concrete on USC's campus all day? Like, come on. Yeah. Whatever. Get out of here with that mess. Get out of here, Earl. Get out of here, Earl. All right. Um, we like this first question better than the second one. Uh, this one is Hitler Day. Oh, I think this is Neil Sine Bubile. That's like nothing without something. This is some Latin crap. Uh, is that, am I right? Nothing Neil Sine? without. Is it? Yeah, it's nothing without. Um, Whatever bubule means. Bub- yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, I think Neil. I think it's Neil Sane. That's like nothing without. Yeah, that's nothing okay. without. Um, what is uh, bubula? Bubula. Nothing without oxen or <laughs> cattle. <laughs> nothing without. 
is what it means. Nothing without, nothing without cattle. Okay, hit the day. Uh, nothing without the buffs, maybe, because we're getting into Colorado. Oh, here. maybe. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not really oxen, but uh, I guess that'll work. Um, so he says there were a couple of oblique mentions last week of the possibility that Colorado gets substantially better in 2019. Reviewing certainly not any 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 oblique mentions from Ryan who has them going two and ten. Right. Uh, reviewing their roster, I think I agree, although the record might not show it because the schedule is tougher. Uh, here's how I see their personnel. One, uh, at a bunch of positions, they've got talent in the top third of the Pac-12, including uh, Montez, Chenault, Landman, and Mustafa Johnson. I would agree with that. Um, two, last year, the offensive line was atrocious. Uh, we could also say they were ferocious, ferocious, uh, but the talent is there and the new offensive line coach has an impressive resume. And three, the defense was actually pretty solid, just put in bad spots by the offense. And coach Tucker is finally getting some big interior linemen. It seems like a situation where all it would take is the offensive line to get sorted out and the rest of the pieces fall into place. What do you boys think? Um, I mean, we'll get into our Colorado preview, uh, either next week or the week after. Um, I think that might be putting it a little too rosy. Um, I think offensively you're probably pretty close to right. I think they've got enough pieces that I'm not super worried about what they can do offensively as long as they figure out something on the offensive line, but defensively, I mean, they returned basically one player from last year's major defensive line rotation. Um, they lose two of their top three linebackers and two of their top four defensive backs. They're, they lose a lot from a defense that was already kind of average last year. Um, so maybe Mel Tucker gives them a boost. Maybe some things happen, but I don't know. I, I, I think they could, I think you're right. I think they could be even better than last year. Um, and it not necessarily be reflected in the record. Um, but they could also have a really tough year. I mean, it could be really, really tough if uh, if that defense kind of takes a takes a bit of a dive this year, which I think is possible if uh, you know working in a new scheme and having to replace a bunch of guys. That that could be yeah. tough. Yeah, I, I think you could get a boost because of the Tucker factor, just the overall toughness boost, which is a good thing. But I don't know. If the parallels, like I picked Arizona State to finish last last year and then talked to Chris Cartman and got talked out of that, you know, because they had Manny Wilkins back and all these, and like it, it was going to be a real veteran team. And there's some parallels, I think, here with Colorado. Like you got the new coach coming in, but I feel like with Herm Edwards was able to kind of keep what was going there, uh, you know, make changes, but you, it was going to be, I think that transition was going to be easier than what you're going to like. Colorado seems like more of a blow up and start over again, even though you got guys like Chenault and Montez and uh, guys like that. But it, maybe they're going to be a little bit better today than what you know I initially thought. But I, to me, this is just more about you're going to see a, a big turnover, almost like what UCLA did last year. Like you're, there's going to be like a rip it all down and, and and build it back up again sort of thing in his image. Which so I just don't think it'll be. I don't think there's like the seven and five possibility like you saw with Arizona State last year. Right. Uh, he said, bonus question. On the evening of Friday, October 25th, Colorado will host USC. The Trojans will be coming off a tough seven-game stretch that includes Fresno, Stanford, Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. 
And as Ryan has repeatedly argued, it is impossible for USC to win road games on Friday nights. I don't think I've argued that, but uh, what are the chances that the Buffs uh, get Clay Helton tarmacked? Oh, good, interesting question. I think that game falls outside of the first six. So I, I think the first six are where you got your chance to get tar. I don't think anything could happen in the Colorado game that would change the like. If they were bad enough in the first six games, I don't think the Colorado a loss at Colorado on Friday night would put you over the top um, because they got to you know they play at BYU just like you know Washington does and Utah does. Um, they play at Washington. They play at Notre Dame. They have Stanford and Utah at home, and then you know twelve win Fresno State and like I said at BYU. I think if you go two and four in that stretch. If you don't fire him at that point, you don't fire him after losing to Colorado. Like I, I just think you have to if two and four. You just fire him. Um, and if you're not going to fire him, then it doesn't really matter what you do the rest of the games, in my opinion. But what if you go three and five? What if you go three and three through the first six? Then you lose to Arizona and lose to Colorado back. Yeah, back. I think. And you go through, and you're three and five through. I eight. think that's a possibility. You kind of it depends how you look too. Like, you know, who'd you beat? Did you beat Fresno State, BYU, and like. Stanford or, you know, or, or Utah, if, if you win a game like Washington or Notre Dame on the road, that like, that kind of buys you some points. So it, it kind of depends on how you look, but I think, yeah, if, even if you, you beat like Notre Dame on the road and you go on and you lose to Arizona and Colorado, I think it's just, you're not, you're not coming back from that either. So th- I think something like that would have to happen where you do a little bit better in those first six games than you thought. And then the the final six games, which are a lot easier, you end up doing worse. So I, it could be, but I, I think the more likely scenario is you do you're going to show your true colors in those first six games. That feels a little Clay Helton, though. <laughs> if they fall apart during the easy slate of the schedule, <laughs> I guess you're right. That could happen. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. I mean, could Colorado beat them? Yeah, 100. Um, percent That's that's a tough spot. Friday night game at Colorado. Colorado, I think, will be at least frisky on offense, which might be enough. Um, so, yeah, totally, totally doable. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that hit today, and the and the Latin whatever right. that was. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, this is from Joshua. College glasses. Hey Ryan and Dave, this is your loyal listener in Arkansas, Joshua. Last week I started. Oh, so an international question. Uh, last week I started wondering why you guys spent only a little time answering my questions. And then I realized it was because my questions were actually about football. Uh, Ryan, raise your hand if you can remember Joshua's questions. I don't. I mean, this was my guess, Joshua, if this was a thing. So if you're saying like, I'd really like, it might be very good questions, but like, I really want to know how the backup offensive guards are for all the PAC 12 teams. And then what recruiting classes, uh, what they look like coming in for the guard position. Like, no, that's not easy to answer. That's not easy. There's a lot of research involved. So it could be a very good question that we're not really, like, it would take a lot of work for us to answer. It's not necessarily that we don't like the question, but you, you kind of know what our sweet spot is. We're going to have a pretty good idea of how these teams do at the high level. But if you're going to be like, uh, you know, like the question about who's the most, you know, underrated assistant coach on every team in the conference. Like I, that, that's really hard to do for, for us, like this as doing this as a, uh, as a hobby more than anything. Yep. Is that, is that right? Exactly. I don't know. That's okay. fair. Um, all right. So I came up with this one this week. I think we'll entertain you more. 
Over the past two semesters, it has been announced that some Pac-12 coaches were actually teaching courses at their universities. So I came up with some courses by coaches I would want to take myself. They are Playing to Win the Game by Herm Edwards. How to Skate on Your Reputation by Chip Kelly. Uh, Can you imagine the uproar if I did this to Florida is the subtitle. Uh, How to Have Open, Honest Rapport with the Media by Chris Peterson. Uh How to Have an Offense So Bad You Lose a Bowl Game to a QB with Drop Foot by Justin Wilcox. I like that. Uh, Did You Hear I Worked for Nick Saban by Mel Tucker. And Literally Anything I Want to Talk About for an Hour Twice a Week by Mike Leach. Do you guys have any ideas on classes you would like to take from Pac-12 coaches? Interesting. Um I mean, the Mike Leach, I think somebody wrote in to us that took Mike Leach's class like, and wasn't all that impressed. Um, maybe that's because it's a, a structured environment. And if you just got to sit down and, and you know, what did he do this week? He was like diving in a swimming pool and stuff and uh, doing laps. Like, I think the randomness of a Mike Leach is great. So maybe the structure of uh, this is what you're going to talk about every week. Um, but it was some kind of like it made. No, no, we we all had Mike Leach in school. We all had that teacher. For me, it was a chemistry teacher. It was my tenth grade chemistry teacher, where you would all you know talk before class started. Okay, what can we bring up with him today that will get us out of learning chemistry? <laughs> Everybody had that teacher. Everyone had that teacher. Some for some it was chemistry, for some it was geography, for some it was math, whatever. But everyone had that teacher. Yeah. No, that that's good. Mike Leach is that guy. Yeah. Um, but I, do, do you remember jo- Jonathan Smith, how to blend into a crowd? <laughs> you know, I don't, something, um, <laughs> um, David Shaw would have to be something about, uh, being an analyst on the NFL network, you know, like that's, he's made an industry out of that. Um, um, David, David Shaw would just be mastering fourth, uh, mastering, mastering red zone play calling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would be an advanced course. <laughs> Um, Herm Edwards would have some really good. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, yeah, you know, how to put your jersey on by Herm Edwards, or uh, man, I. But I like yeah. the, what what Herm's done. Uh, I mean, I think this is a good good question. You've had he had some really good examples. It's it's hard for us to come up with some like on top of our heads. But Mario Cristobal would teach a marketing course. Yes, for sure. Um. Uh, I'm trying to think of a Helton one would be. There's some pretty good cliches he kind of goes with. His would be, okay, I, Clay Helton's would be situational mastery. That would be the name of the course because he loves to say that phrase. So situational mastery 101 by Clay Helton. That or or faith, faith family faith, yeah, football. Yeah, that's true. Faith family football 101. Um, yeah. But good ones. Kyle Whittingham would Kyle Whittingham would just be a group exercise class. Uh, like it would just be like everyone doing calf raises. Or probably maybe like cross country skiing or bear wrestling. Yeah, you know, like it could be a survival one. Like you know, uh, you know, exposure, you know, elemental, elemental exposure, survival one hundred and one, something like that. I think he, he, he there's a lot he could do, and it would have to do with the outdoors and calf yeah. raises. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Right. I'm trying to think of who. I've got nothing for Kevin Sumlin. <sighs> I got stuff you probably shouldn't say. So we'll... <laughs> well, that's the thing is I've got stuff you probably shouldn't say, and so I'm not going to do it. But there's like, yeah, there's some relations between uh, college and and what we could say. Yeah, but you know, 
Can't do it. I, would you would you have like a Lane Kiffin one or a Steve Sarkeesian one? There could be some fun ones there. Now those might be similar. <laughs> those might be similar ones. I'm not saying similar. Um, you say they would be different and unique things you might not want to say. Yeah. Uh, nice. Exactly. All right, Josh. All the good stuff. So we'll have to go back and look at your other questions. But if it was like real specific things about uh, you, you'd have to know like the too deep for Washington State. We're probably not going to know that off the top of our heads. We barely know it for the yep. schools that we actually cover. Um, this is from Brian, Recommendations and Snark. Seems right up our alley. Uh, as we wind down the offseason, I would love to get some offseason topics off my chest. One last time before we have to start being serious for five months. We're trying to get serious already, Brian. We've started the previews. Okay. Come on, Brian. Jeez. First for Dave. If you're looking for unintentionally funny, terrible movies, I can't recommend... Uh, Manos, Hands of Fate, Enough, a true classic of the genre. Never heard. So that's, Brian, that's funny because I've watched the Mystery Science Theater 3000 send up of Manos, Hands of Fate. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, is it? It is, is it great. great. Okay. Is that still a thing? The Mystery Science 3000 with like the. I don't know. That was that was the original version, um, which goes back. So is that a really, really uh, old movie? Well over 20 years. That's a really. Yeah, yeah, it's like from the maybe early 60s, Holy I think. Holy okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, also I think we overlooked a great character for the OSU, oh, I'm sorry, for OSU to be in the Star Wars universe. I give you Admiral Akbar exclusively because of his classic line, it's a trap. Uh, but really, that's uh, that's all that playing on Corvallis is for road teams. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Every team should beat us yeah. by 30. Oh, this is an Oregon State fan, nice. Every team should beat us by 30. Yet it seems like every year, one or two, we beat a top 10 team. Uh, for USC several times, a top 10 Wisconsin. Uh, in the first game I attended as a student, ASU in 2015, uh, when they were seventh in the country and even almost sneaking up on Stanford last year. Yeah, that Oregon State should have won that game last year. Really, all we have left is hoping the team we play comes totally unprepared. Also, since I have to get uh, something into Ryan, uh, when USC inevitably low balls Urban Meyer after firing Clay, how excited are you for Mike Riley to get this job <laughs> offer and finally accept it? It's true what they say the third time truly is a charm, and he's very available. Love the pod. Thanks for your work. Go Beavs and fight on. Brian from Walnut Creek. Didn't uh, Riley take a job in one of the pro leagues or did, maybe the one that failed? I don't know. I don't remember. I think he did, but I don't know if he's still there, but... That would be the USC hire. Yes, third time's a charm. Mike Riley would be a very and you know good character guy. Good character guy. He is. I. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Get ready for the Mike Riley era, everybody. Yeah, I disagree with Brian. USC won't lowball Urban Meyer. They just wouldn't talk to him or offer him. But <laughs> so it wouldn't. They wouldn't get to the point if they got to the point where they actually were offering him something. I think USC fans would do that. The, the administration would not get that far. All right, this is from Bernie. Question. Hi, Ryan and David. In your opinions, what program in the Pac-12 do you see as being more dominant over the f- next 10 years? I like this question. Thanks, Bernie. I like it. Um, I don't know how to answer it. I I want to say Washington. I could say Oregon. Uh, but those are the only ones that are popping up in my head right now. I mean, you could say USC just because of the potential there, but... I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, it's USC or Washington. Um, 
Oregon, I don't know if they've got the – so the thing with Washington is they've got the coach and they've now got recruiting figured out, so that's number one for me. USC always has the um, incredible potential because of the recruiting base um, where once they get the coach figured out and it feels like we're no more than two years probably away from Clay Helton being gone, um, probably this year, but almost certainly no more than two years um, – they're they're very close to you know hiring a new coach and potentially rolling the dice and finally ending up with a good one again. So those two for me, I think Oregon they just don't have the coach figured out, and you know maybe Cristobal turns out to be really good. I just haven't seen it yet. Um, so they're below that, but yeah, I mean somewhere in that three. But I, I would have Washington and USC both ahead of Oregon. Yeah. Uh, all right, that makes sense to me. Uh, Pac-12 suicide pool from Matthew from Mountain View. Hello, Ryan and Dave. Back in February, I suggested a few changes to the podcast Suicide Pool, most of which you rejected. You did, however, like the idea of opening up the Suicide Pool to listeners so as long as you didn't have to keep track of it yourself and told me to remind you about it in August. Well, here we are in August, so how about it? I'm happy to keep track of everything so as long as we have a system for people to submit their picks that I can access. Uh, Let me know if you need to help on or off air, Matthew from Mountain View. So... So we did this last. We just year. set up a Google, set up a Google form. I think, and just have people fill it out. I think we could do that. We could link to it on our page, and then what we did last year, and this will be easier too, because I was emailing everyone in the Pac-12 to like submit their picks. Um, we did this with all of the publishers, and I think only eight or so people took advantage of it, and then five of them or so went out in the first week. When uh, was it UCLA lost to Cincinnati or something, or I think Arizona lost and UCLA lost or something. So a lot of the people went out that first week, but I think it'd be cooler with, you know, if there's people, the publishers that don't, maybe they don't listen all the time and they don't want to be involved. They don't have to be, but setting up a Google form or something, I think would be awesome. And we could have Matthew keep track of everything and uh, just look at that form and go over our picks for the week. And then everyone else has to submit your picks. And is there a way on the form to like, close off like editing for a column or a certain time or anything or um on, on a google form yeah i don't know um i mean we can close it whenever we want oh i guess uh, we could do one each week or something like here's the picks for this week put your picks in and then close the form like right before the first game is played that could be interesting yeah we could do that um yeah there's a few different things we can do and we could just have it dump into a spreadsheet um so, all right, well, we'll we'll play with that, and we will um, hopefully have some idea of what we're going to yeah. do. I like it, Matthew. Soon. I don't remember what his other ideas were, but they were, I think they were complicated. So we're like, yeah, no, we'll just – I think a yeah, simple – that's why we don't remember. Yeah, a, a simple suicide pool with, like, our listeners. So I think it would be awesome where, like, if Birdie is, like, right again and go, ha, hit the day, like, whatever, your team didn't win. or uh, I think that that kind of stuff would be fun. Yeah, sure. And we'll have people that don't like that's what people also don't understand. Like the message board culture is all 150 of us that post on the message board every day. That's the message board when there's really uh, 90, you know, that's like 10 percent of the population. Most people are just there kind of reading. Most people are just like listening to the show and they know, uh, you know, people that write in all the time and they, they know those names. But those aren't the you know the only people that listen to the show. So there will be other people that will be 
making their picks that are just listeners. They're just kind of like the lurkers or whatever. So I, I think it'll be good. We'll get a few people out of the out of the weeds a little bit. You know what? I, and I'll be honest with you. I'm stunned that we get so many emails. And I'm stunned that people post on message boards as much as they do because I would never be inclined. Ever. Really? Like, I would never send in an email to a show. Like, I don't, I'm not going to ask any questions. Um, so I'm impressed. And, uh, and, uh, obviously it's great. It, it basically makes our entire show every yeah. week. But no, it's a, it's a complete mindset that's, uh, foreign to me. It's incredible. You're, I mean, you're in the majority. Like, I don't ever do like Yelp reviews or things like that or Amazon ones, but they, people do those things. I mean, a lot of people do them, but it's not, those are the things you see, but that's not the majority of the people. The people that post on the message boards aren't the majority of the people. They do not represent the majority. That's like a, a you know a small minority of vocal people. Um, you probably see the same thing on social media. Like everything you see, people complain about politics or whatever. Like that's not the majority. That's that's definitely the minority. The people that are out out there complaining. It's more people out there reading everything, just consuming, and they don't want to chime in. And they're just like, oh, that's stupid or blah, blah, blah. But most people don't say anything. So most people don't write in to the show. Most people are like you and they'd be like, I'm going to listen, but I'll never write in. Yeah. All right. You ready for Justin to wrap this shebang up? Yeah. One last question. Two random questions, actually, from Justin. Okay. Hey, Ryan and Dave. Go UCLA 05 from the bro board. I've got two totally random questions for you. Uh, one, I have a very specific memory of Oregon State's football team being number one in the preseason rankings sometime back in the early 2000s. I want to say it was the 2001 season, the year after they went 11-1, and annihilated Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, and finished in the top five. Unfortunately, I can find virtually no record of this online, and I'm starting to think my memories aren't accurate regarding this. Do you two remember any of this, or am I just nuts? Justin, I looked this up for you. Um, Oregon State was AP preseason number 11 in 2001. So maybe in your mind's eye, you saw a couple of ones and you just said, <laughs> no, that's the same one. When in actuality, it was two ones next to each other. Yeah. Denoting the number 11. And if I remember correctly, like they had like Chad Ochocinco and TJ Husmanzada. And so. I think they that was like a huge year, and they like they beat Notre Dame in the, the Fiesta Bowl, right? But I thought they lost a lot off that team, so I, I, I it would have been hard to picture them being a preseason number one um, after that. That was like, that was Dennis Erickson, right? Like that was, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, if I'm recalling correctly, they did lose a lot off of that team, um, so that, that would be hard to see. I, I, they wouldn't have been going into that season. It would it would have had to been. 2001. 2000 was the one they made that crazy run, I think, if I'm, if I'm not right. mistaken. And then question number two. I expect that Ryan will have more knowledge of this, but this is definitely for both of you. College football didn't go to a standard 12-game regular season until 2006, but the other day I noticed that USC played 12 regular season games in 2002, 2003, 2004, and 2005. I know the rule exists where out-of-conference teams that play at Hawaii are allowed to play an extra home game to make up for travel expenses, but SC only played Hawaii twice during that stretch, and only one of them was an away game. Do you two have any idea how USC... All right, I know where this question is going. It's going to a very boring place. Why do you care? (laughs) Do you two have any idea how USC was able to play 12 regular season games during those four years? Was there some loophole in the NCAA rules back then that said that teams can actually play 12 regular season games if they want, but they're just not required to? Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, 
I don't recall. I know the the Hawaii thing was there, but I don't remember them having extra games for any particular reason those years. Uh, I'm mean, gonna try to look it up. But do any do you have any recollection of this, Dave? Or I have not the slightest recollection or any desire to look it up. Um, that well, what what bit of minutia is this? Like who cares? Yeah, I don't see. So they played. Uh, You're just ignoring yeah. me. You just well, I'm don't looking care. at this. No, I don't care either. But it's like now I'm kind of curious. I guess. I guess maybe that means I care. Uh, wow, maybe you're the audience. You're the audience for this question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that one. That they played. Oh no, they played Auburn. They, my uh, my recollection of it was it was more or less your choice whether you wanted to play eleven or twelve in a given year. Oh, uh, maybe it was. Yeah, um, but they played Auburn. They played at Colorado, they played at Kansas State, and then they played uh, Notre Dame at home. So that was a pretty good, 2002, that was a pretty good out-of-conference. Like Colorado was like number 18 in the country at the time. Uh, so that that was uh, that was pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. But yeah, I don't remember. There wasn't any kind of crazy, I mean, nothing. I mean, that was... Uh, yeah, there was like eight conference. Was that eight or co- nine conference games? I think, I think that was eight conference games, and they had four out of conference games. Yeah, but I don't know. Sorry about that. Don't apologize. Um, don't don't apologize for that one. Yeah. Uh, was there a choice? I don't know. Was there a was what? there a choice? I mean, was that the way it was? Uh, I yeah. think so. I think you used to be able to just pick. Yeah. If you wanted to play more than more than eleven. Uh, that was when like. They were scheduling lots of. They had a lot of good games because they were they were go. They do home and homes with like Auburn, Arkansas, Nebraska. Um, yeah, they had, they had some really good ones, and then, you know, plus you play Notre Dame every year, so there was there was some good stuff. Yeah, USC was routinely playing twelve when other schools were playing eleven, and it wasn't just because of Hawaii. Um, like if you go back as far as nineteen ninety six, John Robinson, they. Went six and six. They didn't play in a bowl game. They didn't play Hawaii. I think USC just often played twelve because they wanted to play twelve. Oh, so there was like an option there. I don't, man. I don't. Sorry, Justin. I don't remember that at all. Like, would you? You stop apologizing to him. <laughs> you stop apologizing to him right now. Well, I should probably know this. I cover USC, but why? No, no one should know this. This should be lost <laughs> to the annals of history. The fact that we've spent this much time talking about it is driving me absolutely insane. <laughs> Which is part of the reason. Keep saying <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's making me look it up because I just can't listen to this anymore. Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Uh, how long we go? We went an uh, hour and 40. That's pretty good. Not, Not bad. bad. Um, so we'll do, I, I guess we don't have to, we, if you'd rather do, we could do the uh, Arizona schools and, and the mountain schools next week too, Dave, but I either one, but we'll do, Four more, um, probably the Arizona schools, mountain schools in, in one group and the, the California schools in another group, and we'll finish up. So if you have any questions for any of those schools and you want to send them in, uh, we can try to take a look at it a little early and get you some more information. And we'll try to get some new, you know, fall camp just started, you know, within the last week, but by next week, there'll be a few more practices in. So maybe there's some news out of some of these we'll uh, try to bring you as well. Um, but anything else, Dave? Are you good? That's great. Uh, That's great. Wonderful. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. 
Uh, thanks for tuning in to the podcast of champions. We do appreciate keep sending in those reviews. Five-star ratings are awesome. We love you guys for that. Send in the questions, leave us a voicemail. We haven't got a voicemail for a while. Call in all that stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time.